Hello, Mighty Warriors. I'm your host, Colette Correa, and this is the Mighty Warriors Podcast, a podcast dedicated to inspire and encourage you to experience a deeper intimacy with God and to be transformed by His Word in your everyday life. This is episode 46. In this episode, we will contemplate how we can draw near to God, have a fulfilling relationship with Him, and be a light to the world. Hello, dear friends. Thank you for joining us. I get super excited when I think about where people are listening from. So thank you for tuning in. And most of all, thank you for sharing. Because if you're blessed by this podcast, make sure that you share with one or two people or more. So it's great to be back. We are continuing to follow the Israelites' journey, so I'll share a little bit of a synopsis as to what's been happening so far. The Israelites have settled at the foot of Mount Sinai, temporarily. Moses received the Ten Commandments and some laws. He returned to the people, and they agreed. As we read in Exodus chapter 24, verse 3, they said, Everything the Lord has said we will do. To seal the covenant, Moses offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as fellowship offerings to the Lord. He splashed the blood on the altar and sprinkled it on the people. And we read again in verse 7 of the same chapter that the people insisted, We will do everything the Lord has said. We will obey. After this, Moses returned to the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. And then the unthinkable happened. The people lost their patience and built an idol in the shape of a golden calf and indulged in revelry. God's fury rose against the people and Moses pleaded on their behalf. God relented in destroying them. However, there was some hefty consequences 3,000 people died at the hands of the Levites, and God struck the people with a plague. When they heard that God had called them a stiff-necked people and that he was considering destroying them on the way, they became distressed and went into mourning. Up until now, we have been following the journey of Israel as a nation. But today, I'd like for us to focus our attention on Moses, on Moses' relationship with God. Then, I'll have us reflect on our own relationship with God and others. Moses' experiences with God have been extraordinary, to say the least. He has been communicating personally with God, has heard God's voice from within the burning bush. He facilitated the ten plagues. In a moment of great distress, He called on God and God instructed him to raise his staff so the Red Sea would split in two and he facilitated the people's passage 
through the Red Sea. Later, there was the miraculous provision of water, manna, and quail. Then, there was that time when the Amalekites came to fight the Israelites at Rephidim, and for them to experience victory, Moses simply had to held his hand. And of course, there was the giving of the Ten Commandments and the manifestation of God's presence in a dense cloud. On top of all these experiences, there are three crucial passages I'd like to highlight that will teach us how we can generate a close relationship with God and influence others to draw near to God. Number one, entering the tent of meeting. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 7 through 11, there is the mention of a tent of meeting that is pitched outside the camp so people who inquire of the Lord can go there. But something exceptional happens as we read in verse 9. It says, As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Then, in verse 11, we read that the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Number two, seeing God's glory. In one of those intimate times with the Lord, there is a beautiful exchange between Moses and God. Moses reminds God what he had been telling him, and then he shares his concerns with God. Then he reminds him of his word and makes his request. Here it is from Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 and 13. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Then the exchange continues, verses 14 through 23. The intimacy here is so beautiful. I was going to give you a synopsis, but I simply have to read it. Starting in verse 14. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, There is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand 
until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Number three, radiating his light. Then, Exodus chapter 34, verses 29 through 34, we read, When Moses came from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them. So Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Mighty warriors, I have three questions for you today. Question number one, do you have a tent of meeting? When I was between seven and nine years old, I remember seeing the movie The Ten Commandments on many occasions. Every year around Christmas and Easter, the Ten Commandments, as well as the Jesus of Nazareth movie, was always shown on TV. And although my parents were not Christian believers, they believed in God. And around Christmas and Easter, we always watched those movies. And it fascinated me. In fact, I had seen the Ten Commandments enough time to dream that God would personally manifest to me through a burning bush. When I was 15 years old, my quest for God became personal. At the time, it was not uncommon for me to stay up until 2 a.m. to complete the surmounting amount of homework we were assigned to. Night after night, I started getting used to being up in the late hours of the night. It is during that time that I started to love solitude and listening to silence when everybody was asleep and you could even hear a pin drop. To me, those times were precious and a time for me to talk to God. I would share my heart with Him, ask Him some questions, and since there was no answer on His part, I would imagine His response. At other times, I would close my eyes, pray to God in a gentle, whispering voice to make my prayers much more sacred because, of course, sacred prayers have to be uttered in a gentle, humble voice, so I thought. Then I would open my eyes, very slowly, of course, because without a doubt, it would be there, in the middle of our very small room, the crackling burning bush. In my most fantastic imagination, in the midst of those ardent flames, God would be calling my name telling me how exceptional I am and the reason I have been chosen. 
guess what? I did not have a personal relationship with God, but I was searching for Him. I was seeking for the truth. As a non-believer who was searching for God, that was my tent of meeting. The tent of meeting is for everyone. As we read earlier in Exodus chapter 33, verse 7, the tent of meeting was for anyone inquiring of the Lord. If you're in a place where you are searching for God, searching for the truth, go to the tent of meeting. Go to God. Inquire of the Lord. The Lord is there to receive us, to listen to us. He will guide our path and direct us so we can draw closer to Him in the proper way. God worked in an extraordinary way for me to go all the way from France to the U.S. to be introduced to Messiah Jesus. And now, as a believer, I continue to go to my tent of meeting. That tent of meeting is not a physical tent. It is just the place where God and I meet. It can be anywhere, but it is preferably in a calm place, a familiar place, where I can pause, listen, and talk to God. Question number two. Do you long to have an intimate relationship with God in which He reveals Himself to you? Years ago, when I would speak to God, there was no response on God's part. I used to imagine His response. But now it all makes sense to me because in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator, also between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And according to John chapter 3, verse 3, one must be born again to see the kingdom of God. So I was not able to hear from God or to even fellowship with God until I accepted Jesus as the one who died as a penalty for my sins. And then I could be in right standing with God. What does it mean to be a born-again Christian? It means to be born from above. It is a time when eternal life is imparted into your life. To be born again, I must repent of my sins, ask God to forgive me, confess that I believe that Messiah Jesus paid the penalty of my sins when he died on the cross and rose on the third day. When I became a born-again Christian and made the solemn decision to turn away from my sins and follow Jesus all the rest of my days, everything changed for me. Maybe I should liken it onto doors being open, the communication between God and I opening up. My desire to know God deepened. Over the years, I have yearned to grow deeper into my relationship with God and see more and more of Him, more of His glory. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is the fullness of all that He is in terms of His nature, character, beauty, and perfection. God is an infinite being and even eternity will never suffice for us to grasp the depth 
of his perfect nature and character, scriptures declare in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 that Jesus, the Son, is the radius of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. We know from Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Jesus came down to earth to dwell among us. In fact, in John chapter 14 verse 9, when Philip asked Jesus to show him the Father, Jesus responded, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? When we spend time in prayer or time in the Word of God, we discover His nature, character, beauty, and perfection. Years ago, before entering into my tent of meeting, with God, I would often read Psalms chapter 63, which described the hunger and thirst that I had in wanting to know God and being with Him. I will read the first verse, which says, O God, You are my God. I shall seek You earnestly. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh yearns for You in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Here are a couple more scriptures for us to meditate on. From Isaiah chapter 26, verse 9, which says, At night my soul longs for you. Indeed, my spirit within me seeks you diligently. For when the earth experiences your judgments, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. And then there is Psalms chapter 73, verse 25, which says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. Question number three. Is there any evidence in your life that you have a personal relationship with God? When Moses came down Mount Sinai, we are told in Exodus chapter 34 verse 29 that his face was radiant. Why? It says, because he had spoken with the Lord. Moses had spent time with God in his presence and he radiated the glory of God. This was evidence that Moses had a relationship with God. Moreover, the fact that God had used Moses and that he had performed everything that he had called him to do, the fact that when Moses pleaded for the people and that God heard him and relented and destroying them and that he fulfilled his request is a testament that he had a relationship with God and favor with the Lord. 
Messiah Jesus is also a great example of one who constantly cultivated his relationship with the Father. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, and Luke chapter 6, verse 12, we read that Jesus went to solitary places to pray so he could have fellowship with the Father. People knew that God was with him. Because as we read in John chapter 3, verse 2, Nicodemus understood that very well. And that's why he expressed, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Here, Nicodemus was speaking on behalf of the multitude He did not say, I know, but we know. So this was the sentiment of the people. They knew that he had a close relationship with the Father. How about you? Let me ask you the question again. Is there any evidence in your life that you have a personal relationship with God? Jesus calls his followers the light of the world. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. When we shine, when we radiate our light to this world that is seeped in darkness, we influence people who turn to God to glorify Him and undoubtedly it inspires and encourages them to enter into a personal relationship with Him. My friend, if you are not a follower of Jesus, it means that you are not born again. You have not accepted the free gift of forgiveness that is provided through Messiah Jesus. You are not a light. You are blind, living in darkness, as explained in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, which says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Listen, you do not want to be covered in shame on the day you must give account to God for your life. According to Psalms chapter 34, verse 5, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. You must be born again. Repent of your sins so you may become a new creation in Christ today. Because as promised in John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13, 
to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Trust in Jesus, commit to him, and follow him all the days of your life. You will have no regrets. Gracious Heavenly Father, the greatest gift you've ever given to us is your Son. It is because of his death, burial, and resurrection that there is even the possibility of us being reconciled to you. I am grateful that I have come out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your light. For those who are listening and searching, I pray that their hearts be open to receive the message I shared today. As they draw near to you, and by faith, I pray that you, Father, would remove the scales off of their eyes, and that their ears would be open to hear your voice very clearly. May they hear your voice, Father, through your word and through the undeniable presence of the Holy Spirit within them when they accept Messiah Jesus as Lord and Savior. For those who already have a personal relationship with you, I pray their relationship with you deepens more and more. I pray that as they continue to walk with you, that they would continue to be radiating light into this world so your name may be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Mighty Warriors, I hope and pray that this episode was an encouragement to you to continue to go to the tent of meeting for this is where the glory of God will be manifested to you. And then you will be able to radiate the light, the glory of God onto those around you. I pray you have a wonderful week and look forward to talking to you in our next episode. God bless you. Bye.